previously on the Galactica Quorum. Chief's actions lately has been kind of out of character. Explain that. Our battleships and our aircraft carriers, they have assembly lines where they have all the pieces are on there and they're constantly making them. I would love to see some new locales, especially within the fleet. I always feel like we're very constrained to Galactica. It used to be in the first and second seasons. We saw a little bit of Colonial One, but I mean, there's not much to see, but at least we were there a little bit more. And actually, one thing I would like to see is I'd like to see a new ship. Why would anybody buy into Baltar's manifesto? He was the president. And you're like, well, what the hell was the book? That's where I keep my <laughs> manifesto. <laughs> Welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number 13, Lucky 13. I am Brian, and with me today is... Dimitri. Michelle. Jason. Our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email is gquorum at gmail.com. G-Q-U-O-R-U-M is how you spell it. And we have a voicemail. It's 206-2020-BSG. If you'd like to visit the website, we have a few features on there for you. We've got a frapper map. We have forums. And we've just added a tip jar, the purpose of which is so we are looking into doing some, going to do some cons and things like that. So It would be so much fun. It would be Other fun. people are looking at going to some cons. Okay. <laughs> Mr. J said, I'm not a geek. No, yeah. but I'm sitting here. But I'm sitting here in a battle story. <laughs> well, if I was going to go to a con, let's just say if I was going to a con, my uh, costume will be so good, no one would ever know it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Up front, we have not listened to the official Run of the More podcast. We will discuss the current episode in depth, but no spoilers for upcoming episodes. We'll not talk about any previews, but we'll do lots of speculation. So up front, uh, speaking of cons, Michelle, you have information for us. I do. I only have one because this is the most recent one coming up. This one is the Icon 26 in Stony Brook, at Stony Brook University in New York. The dates for this con are March 23rd through the 25th of 2007. And looking at their list, the only BSG guest there is going to be Jamie Bamber, you know, Apollo. But you can go to their website to find out more information. It is www.iconsf.org. That's I-C-O-N-S-F.org. There was one that just passed last weekend. It was here in Maryland, actually. It had uh, Richard Hatch. The guy from Survivor? <laughs> He's in jail, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, because Zarek was in jail, too. Weird. There is wow. actually... Have you Sci-fi seen this um, Richard, cruising with Richard Hatch? You can go mm. on a cruise with Richard Hatch. Which one? <laughs> the... Hedonism 3. The BSG one. Okay. He, it's a cruise with him... And you can go and do all kinds of events, and you go to different islands, and you can play tennis with him. It's really weird. If I want to go on a cruise with someone from the original Battlestar, I want Athena. Or the other one, the fighter pilot that they added later. What's her name? I thought Athena was a fighter pilot. No, Athena was the sister who was like... I know she was a sister, but... She was like the communications person. No. What about Cassiopeia? Nah. Nah, no, no, no. The the fighter pilot they added later, uh, the Pegasus commander's daughter. Oh, yeah. I I vaguely know what you mean. We need to revisit the And, of course, Jane Seymour was... Oh. In there briefly. So, yeah, you know. she was in there for like two seconds. She made the fatal mistake of falling in love with a regular character on a sci-fi show. Come on, of course she was dead. I actually have something that I um, stumbled upon this weekend. There are two miniseries run comic books that are out, and one of them is called, it's just Battlestar Galactica. It looks very sci-fi, very gritty, graphic, you know, lots of 
fighting and explosions and whatever. And then there's a second one, which is called Battlestar Galactica, Zarek. One of the writers on the show, one of these co-executive producers, used to be a comic book writer. Mark, his last name starts with a V. Uh, I don't know if he still does comics or not, but I recognize the name from back way back when. He did uh, one of the first Aliens comics <coughs> that was on Dark Horse. <coughs> and it was a really good comic. I remember back then it was really dark and just it was really intense. So a little tie-in there. Let's do some viewer mail. We have something from Ed regarding the, uh, how do you pronounce this? Jason, it's Yamato. Yamato versus Galactica. Yes. Here's what he says. I'd have to say that the Yamato, a.k.a. Argo in the U.S., has an edge with its big flux pulse whatever gun in the bow of the ship. Then again, Galactica could do a combat jump and let loose a few nukes to catch them by surprise. Basically, the the cartoon battleship did have just like one of those big killing rays, like Death Star style, like killing rays. And I don't know if that worked within, like, a ship-to-ship fight. They used it a couple times, like, for things like that. But I think it really depends on the um, the captain, really, right? Because you could have a good captain on a oh. bad ship and a bad captain on a good ship. And I think possibly that the, the lesser ship could somehow outmaneuver, pinpoint the weaknesses or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, you had Captain the- Avatar in the first season of the series. Then I think he passed away. And you had, like, one of the crew members take over, I think, is the headstrong captain. It's kind of like Picard passed away and Riker took over. Wildstar. That was his name. Oh, Lord. If my brain could be filled with actual useful stuff, it would be scary. Uh, Regarding the last show that was on, A Day in the Life, after this show was put out, I go and listen to the Ronaldo Moore podcast. And this week they did something different where they, they let us listen to the editing session while they were putting the episode together. And... The thing was, at the very beginning, he wonders if they should make the Callie Tyrrell story the A story, and I wish they had followed that instinct. If they were trying to make that more of the what's going on with Callie and Tyrrell thing, you could have put more in that in there with them, like, facing the realization that they might die, and actually coming to a fruition on whatever perceived fight was happening, as opposed to just saying, hey, look, they're trapped. Hey, look, we're going to get them out by a very implausible means. They left out a bunch of stuff in the middle of that one to put in all this stuff about flashbacks with uh, Taming of the Shrew. I was telling Dimitri, I, what I would have done with the show is I would have had the uh, air problem extend to a few more parts, sections of that ship, so a few more people were in jeopardy. We kind of knew that Chief wasn't going to die, and Callie probably wasn't going to die. So if you put more people in jeopardy, and then you can extend that to be a little bit more of the story, and then you kill Callie. I think, you know, I wouldn't expect, okay, I'll, one of this retro is going to die, and then you kill her. So, that's yeah. what I, but I, I, don't think I don't know how you expand the, I don't know how you expand the air breach, though. Because they go to open up, one, they're like, oh, we can get you out, and they open up one little thing, and all of a sudden, something buckles, and then it's like a chain reaction. It's like the Titanic, you know, they, each little section goes pop, 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 pop along the side, and suddenly you've got this, there's a big rent that opens up, and it gets bigger and bigger, and they go to like, this is a lot bigger than we thought it was. It started off as this little thing, and then all of a sudden, it's turning into a, a big event. So there's an idea. They should have done that. Forget it's on the Galactica. Maybe it's on some other ship, and they have a big Titanic-like type of disaster where they've got to get a bunch of people off. Hmm, there like is a lot. The, of... Like with the refinery ship. Hmm, hmm. Okay. You could have done that. Well, hmm. as far as speaking yeah, of the refinery ship, the this episode that we just had yesterday, I think that they were totally listening to our uh, – or it's just obviously it's coincidence. We've been saying that we really like to see more CGI, more sci-fi – and how about show us the insides of some other ships? So we got different insides of the president's ship, and then we got the refinery ship. And then we got 
some CGI with the Raptor taking off out of the hangar and then it broke down and I just got really psyched about all that. <laughs> I was so stoked. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. And since I didn't watch it last night because of the Oscars, I watched it this morning. Uh, some of the shots were really cool. I actually rewound them and watched them again. So my Battlestar viewing this morning was more like an hour and 20 minutes. For me, the inside of a big storage facility doesn't really count as a, it's a new ship. I don't know. Should I do a synopsis of this episode? It doesn't count one way. Because it didn't look like a ship. It didn't look like a ship. It looked <laughs> like, but it's, the, it's, it's like Cloud Nine. It's like a the hangar inside. Is a hangar. Yeah, but but, yeah. The, but, the, oh, but well. at least it's something. It's new for us. It doesn't. I I just enjoy the fact that it, it was somewhere else. It wasn't the bridge. It wasn't the. Yeah. It wasn't I the bridge. It, it wasn't the hallway. It wasn't the uh, Adama's office, which you know we've already been there. So it wasn't like the same place over and over. It, you know, it didn't look like a ship, quote unquote. But it was a new set. So I like that. You could easily do a lot more with other ships because if they've gone to such great pains of stating that even though it's all one race, there's major differences between some of the different planet populations, you could easily come up with some completely different ideas for ships right. and explain them as saying, well, you know, this is a Capricorn ship. Right. This is a Gemini ship. I mean, you could definitely go a little cool on the sets like that. You could have a plot where you could have something like, engineers from the Galactica have to go try to help on this ship. And they get there, and it's like, I've never worked on one of these ships before. We use metric, and they use... Yeah, metric. exactly. You know, these are all different layouts. It's going to take me They use yeah. Right, exactly. You could do that. I mean, we've crashed exploration craft into the Martian atmosphere because there was the U.S. and the English working together, and somehow they went for months building this where the U.S. were using feet and the British were using meters. So by the time it got to Mars, it was all screwed up and it hit the atmosphere or the planet or something. Yeah, I mean, exactly. if we can make these mistakes on the same planet, you could certainly have these mistakes introduced in a show like this where you've got 12 completely different populations and it'd be completely realistic. No, that's a good point because the last couple episodes, they've made a point of saying how there's such disparity between mm-hmm. the different colonies. Then there's like points of contention. There's points of contention. There's profiling. There's. I mean, what's, who, are, who are the race that don't use medicine? Sagittarians. I mean, you got to think that the medical facilities on their ships may be a little different. This could be an opportunity for them to like create some new sets that are a little bit different. It's not going to be a Cylon ship by any means, but it's going to look different. You could, you could go a little different. Yeah. I find it interesting that you know in the first couple seasons, the crew itself of Galactica, you didn't necessarily know what planets they were from. I mean, you knew where D was from and some of the other ones, but they didn't make a big deal out of it. Now they're starting to show the division within the crew because they're starting to connect more with their colonies. and Which, again, parallels real life if you're talking about 9-11. 9-11 was supposed to bring the United States together and we're supposed to stop worrying about frivolous crap and all be one. Well, that had a shelf life. Right. So it's the same thing. So yes, the total destruction of the colonies will bring everyone together for a while. But the one thing they're trying to show with the whole reference in the previous one about, hey, it's been 49 days since the Cylons or whatever. When you don't have that enemy uniting everyone together, the little things start coming back out and start to grow, especially when you're all facing, you know, the ultimate in cabin fever. All right. So let's do a synopsis of the current episode. The deck crew fills a Raptor's tank for a flight, but forgets it only takes premium gas. The low octane trillium makes it spring a gasket. It's heading right for Colonial One. Will Laura die in the first two minutes? No, but her near scrape with death has her in a bitchy mood. She has a supervisor of the refinery ship arrested. After Chief goes to the refinery ship to see the conditions, he tells Rosalind that the crew needs a break. 
Things are definitely coming to a head. She's never going to wait. She says, okay, and works out a scheduling plan. Hmm. Meanwhile, Baltar has surreptitiously been distributing his book, Mein Kampf, and Tyrrell challenges Baltar to prove he's really from a farm planet, when a simple Google search would have done. Tyrrell goes back to the ship, the one with the new workers, when a belt breaks. He's about to have his arm ripped off fixing it when a kid volunteers to have that honor instead. Tyrrell declares, we're on strike until that belt gives that kid his fingers back. Adama orders Marines to align Kelly up to a wall and shoot her in the head if Chief doesn't call off the strike. No, wait, I didn't read that right. Um, oh, no, wait. That actually did happen. Tyrrell caves. Adama lets him out of the cell and asks if they are still on for racquetball later. He next has a meeting with the president, and they have the same rational, sensible conversation they should have had in the first place and saved us this entire pointless episode. Roll credits. You know how I feel about it. Comments? I enjoyed it. <laughs> Wait, I thought... I now thought, that I think about it, I kind of enjoyed the episode. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't know. Every episode, like Jason in passing today said, if the episode doesn't have Cylons, I don't freaking want to watch it. I didn't I say it like that. It. I just said they've kind of proven that an episode without... I'll, I'll phrase it better. If it doesn't have at least some Cylon involvement, the odds of that episode being somewhat of a blah episode are increased. Because, again, the whole point of the show is about what the Cylons are doing to this race. But yeah. it's also not only that. I mean, it, the Cylons did do this to this race, but in order for them to get to Earth as a unified people... They're going to have to hash out some of their problems, which they mentioned in the show. I mean, maybe this is contradicting what I said before, but I think if every single episode revolved around the plight of the people against the Cylons, that might get old as well. I was uh, complaining before that the chief's character was being very angry, and, and I really liked how this episode's chief portrayal played out. I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was really well done. I agree. I thought it was well done. I mean, admittedly, I was kind of bored when I was watching it, but the more I think about it, I like the way they went with the story. I like the way they portrayed Chief and how they brought back the Union, and he's now an intermediary between the two, between the military and the civilians. And I mean, all this time we're talking about how you know we don't get enough play on other ships, and now we have play on other ships, and you don't like it. It was good because you could see that the whole story's been on the Galactica and on the President's ship. It was just nice to see, because there's, there's hundreds of ships, but you don't know what's going on in them. You know, and it was nice to see that, you know, things aren't rosy. People, if they have it bad on the Galactica, imagine how awful it is on other places. Oh, yeah. They're, they're refugee camps. Yeah, exactly. And then it's amazing how just old school and dilapidated the refinery ship, how old and dilapidated it is and... You know, on the Galactica, even though the things on there, you know, they have the normal phones or whatever, everything seems clean. Everything is clean. Everything is in order and everything. And this ship was just a disgusting mess. And no wonder, you know, people rebel. And then the chief was talking to the president. He said, you know, if this keeps up, when we get to Earth, who cares? You know, if we're going to be completely 180 degrees from one another, warring within ourselves, you know, when we get to Earth, it's not going to matter. You know, there'll be a war all over. And, and the Cylons will be a side story. All that is relevant and true, but the labor issue for me wasn't a problem. What to me was galling about this episode was that they trampled on existing characterizations. I didn't believe Rosalind acting the way she did. There was an earlier episode where she said something happened with President Adar, where he dealt with some labor negotiations and she didn't approve of it. And that was a complete reversal from that. I didn't believe for a second Adama going about 
calling people traitors and wanting to line them up and shoot them. There I have was, to agree with that. Those two characters, their personalities were completely different in this episode. They weren't acting like any leaders that we've ever... If they were leaders at all, they would have had an inkling that they could have, like I said, had the conversation at the end of the episode, at the beginning of the episode, instead of just flying off the handle and creating this whole scenario. I think the two of them are getting too close and they're agreeing with each other too often. It's one of those things where people do stupid things for the only purpose of making the story happen. And I hate that. Did anything in this episode remind anything about Tyrrell went through the whole, like, somewhat religious experience on the planet, too? Or has that just been completely, like, that was convenient for that episode, and now he's just back to the same That was the other problem I had with this episode, was last time we discussed, Ted brought this up. Why didn't we see more about what's making Chief acting all grumpy? And this episode was a whole thing about Chief, and we didn't see that at all. He, He was maybe grumpy about... Stuff happening on another ship, but that wasn't anything he found out about until just now. Mm-hmm. So again, characterization, why? Just to make that story happen. All right, I got a there's an email from Brian, one of our regular emailers, and he emails us and the subject line is Adama is a fractard. When is someone gonna call Adama on his bullshit? The chief had the perfect chance to respond to Adama's you know what we do with traitors line. Here's a few things the chief should have said to you know what we do with traitors. Number one. Uh, make them a commander and watch them get fat. Two, it depends. <laughs> Is their last name Adama? Three, your son mutinied and was promoted. You mutinied against Admiral Kane and the president made you an admiral. In the end, does everyone in the show have to turn into an asshole? I don't care how much of a badass Admiral Adama is. If I believed that he was going to execute the mother of my child, he would never be able to trust me. Adama wasn't even going to do the shooting himself. He was going to force someone else to do it and have to live with it. The general may have gained control, but damn did he lose respect. Thank you, Brian. And I alluded to this a little bit. It's like Chief says to call off the strike. Adam says, okay. And he says, let him out. And he just goes off. And it's like, how do you, if there's no repercussions from that, whoa. I mean, he just threatened to kill your family, basically. Okay, now I'm completely confused with the whole episode. It didn't make any sense and it sucked. Well, not to mention <laughs> the Chief as a military officer. Yeah, if we're doing something like that, I mean, Adam has every right to say, screw you. This is the military. That's right, but you follow. But the there's rules. no consistency, with, right. Obviously, with the dom and right, I'm finding these characters are just doing things that are convenient for the story, and they're not following. The way it's turning out is it's going along with swapped. what Baltar's book was about, about the president and Adama and all them being the aristocracy, and then the lower class. They're just like walking all over. The aristocracy gets away with whatever they want. Adama and his son get away with whatever they want, and then. The rest of the crew, the lower class from the other planets, don't. Right. Which was all a good point. And I think if they had done it correctly, it would have been a compelling story. But again, the way it was put into motion, Baltar has a book about this. It's like, why would anybody buy into Baltar's manifesto? He was the president and he didn't do shit. Right. He was the guy for a long time. Like if Hitler had survived the fall of Berlin and then he put out his book, would anyone buy into it at that point? No. They'd be like, no, this guy's an asshole. So it's like it's coming a little bit late for him to be releasing this book. I mean, if if some other anonymous guy or even Zarek had put this manifesto out, then people, I could see them begin to accept it and start to read it and ponder over it, discuss it. But for it to be Baltar, I would think they'd be totally skeptical. And then they'd totally gloss over the fact that, oh, I guess the fleet knows about Baltar. So Yeah. All of a sudden, Baltar's book come out and everybody's like, oh, I guess he's still alive. Nobody cared. This whole episode was glossed over. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't get it. (laughs) I'm 
totally lost. So for me, this is another week episode. For me, the third one in a row. And The Woman King was a marginally better version of Black Market. The Day in the Life was a kind of a clone of Unfinished Business. This one doesn't really have one that really mirrors a lot. But to me, it resembled a little bit of the heel episode back in the beginning of this season, the measure of salvation. We had this big dilemma. What was he going to do? Would he stand up against his superiors? And he ended up doing it. The difference being his decision was a portion of the episode, not the entire episode. This is just another one of those points where, kind of like Jen's point last time we met, on a soap opera, they have like all these plot points. We have a lot of storylines intermingling. We have this one big thing, and it's like a big sledgehammer down your head. Aristocracy versus the working class. Boom, boom. And I, it's, I, I feel pounded. Go ahead. Handful. They at least did tie it back into Chief's whole role on the planet. Basically, le- somebody at least said this was your role on the planet. You need to you need to keep this up. Basically, everybody on the refinery ship was a member of the union back on the planet. Okay. So they all were so kind of looking Chief. to Chief to be the leader and be the intermediary between them and the president and getting their issues met. And well, then it's which all was great. Which was a great way to do it. Which was a great way to bring back the way he was on the planet and him being a leader. And I like that part of the storyline. But all these little things that were in it with Baltar and the president and her attitude and her dictatorship going on. And out of nowhere, they arrest this guy because he quotes the book. And you're like, well, what the hell was the book? Was he talking about the Bible? What did it go? I don't mm-hmm. understand what was I going on. I thought at on. first he was talking about their religious text. And I, thought she, I, thought I thought she was like, oh, you've made some sort of sacrilegious, sacrilegious type of remark. I'm going to throw you in the, in the brink. And, and then I was like, what? They did make reference to okay. a lawyer that we have not met yet, but I'm sure in the next previously on, they will try to convince us that we did already meet yeah, him. Yeah, that we've met him. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, if, if you can find all this other stuff, and I'm sure there is some lawyer in the fleet somewhere that will defend him because of the principles of a fair trial. Even if they can get him saying, well, hell, I sure believe he's guilty, but it's my job to prove that he's not. You know, they've got to find that character. Even if it's new. And Baltar trying to convince and, Tyrrell that he was from Aralon. Whatever. What is Aralon? Oh, that Ares? Okay. Why'd you say whatever to Baltar and him trying to convince Chief? Because it's just another one of his lies, most likely. I think it's a lie. This one, the bonus material, was a very short scene with Callie where she kind of played Lady Macbeth. Anything exciting came out of that that you found? How did Callie get so jaded lately? It's She's always been jaded. You just don't remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. He gets Previously, that. He gets uh, that. <laughs> Previously, Callie was... You know, she hasn't just been the dirty little secondary thought of deckhand you've always thought of. Actually, from episode one, she's done all this stuff. You just forgot. <laughs> Apparently. God. See, that... You know what? It is going to be a while to get over that previously. <laughs> there was it's, a shot in this sounds, one where they... Is that 1984? We've always been at war yeah, with... Yeah. Yeah. You've always known this. You've always been at war with Eurasia. Right. Uh, one thing I noticed from a standpoint there was a good shot of the galactica overhead where they show the two pods and the right starboard pod was definitely covered up with some kind of latticed window material so it is still not in operation okay i gotta go back and see that one the lights were on the lights are on but you can (laughs) see nobody's home okay if we're talking about details a detail that i thought was just one detail that i noticed that was dumb was that when at the very beginning when the raptor that ended up blowing out an engine when it went up the elevator to launch out, I don't know why they would take a ship up to be launched backwards. So it just didn't make any sense to me that 
the holes out here and the ship was like this. And so the ship took off, did a 180 and flew out. Can you imagine how annoying and waste of time that would be on a U.S. aircraft carrier if all the planes that came from the belly came up backwards well, and they had to turn them around so they could take off? That's a gravitational thing, though. Of course it is. All it's you got to do is thing. once you kick it out of Galactica, it can pretty much do whatever it wants. Well, no, this is, it's still it doesn't work Galactica. that way on an aircraft carrier. There's I'm actually saying gravity. It was, in the, it was in the Galactica and it came in backwards. It's a warship. Their whole thing should be... Get the ships out as fast as possible. And if you're gonna, if your training is to do that, the ship is pointing out the door, nose first, so that as soon as it comes up, it can go out. It's one more maneuver they have to do. Before it's one more they maneuver they have to do to get exit. out. It's just okay. a waste of time. And then another detail which I thought was interesting: the trillium when they were filling one of the Vikers with the trillium, the fuel gauge that had how much fuel is going in was a dead ringer for any 1960s American gas pump. It was just the numbers going, <laughs> which I thought was hysterical because you can fly faster than the speed of light, but the only way to check how much fuel is in there is little plastic numbers that go, tuka, 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 tuka. I did notice in the Adama and Rosmer looking at a piece of paper and the corners were cut off the piece of paper to make it eight-sided. Right. I liked that. Everything is eight-sided. No, no, we went through this. There was something that wasn't eight-sided. That well, Baltar's manifesto is not eight-sided. It was a clipboard that wasn't eight. Yeah. I've noticed or, that anything associated with Baltar hasn't been cut off. <laughs> like the... Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Basically, what she's saying... As proven saying, by the seeds with uh, Zeta and as, Six. What she's saying is that uh, oh male Cylons <laughs> cannot reproduce because they don't have bullet heads and... Uh, Baltar has not been circumcised. Oh, and, uh, I'm leaving this. Uh, and basically, Michelle did start out right before the microphones came on, unzipping her coat, <laughs> saying how hot it was. So, right, yes, anyways. we know what Michelle did or did not do this weekend. So, Michelle, what did you think of the scene where uh, so did you Baltar actually was standing in the cell with his pants down and just in his boxers? What did that make you feel? I did enjoy the fact that he was reaching down his front of his pants. That was kind of hot. And that's where I keep my manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I'd love to comment to the We gotta to get good episodes back. <laughs> when Adama said that Rosalind could come over and use any one of his beds, that, yeah, that was, was nice. awesome. I will say that based oh, on matter of speaking. When yeah. it, if you go back to the episode the Shrew episode with his wife, mm-hmm. was he imagining her being like this, or is this what she was really like? I think that's what she was really like. So I can totally see him going for Rosalind, who comes across as so much more cool and measured. But she's still dominant. Like well, but she's not, as I said, shrewish, you know, which right. was just, ah! That I can also, because I was sitting there going with the debate, like, okay, she was complaining about his military career. Now, was his military career very good because he didn't want to be around her? Or was <laughs> his military career what caused her to be like that? Probably both. So let's go ahead and assign the grades. Jason, I don't know if you listened to last week, but. I don't grade anymore. I gave yes. that up because because we ran you the last time. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words but hurt picking me. on your grades actually. So hurt you. um, I don't grade. I just give colors. And <laughs> before coming to talk to you guys, what's your this color round scale? table? I really enjoyed it. And now Brian and his brainiac mind and educated thoughts really. Have, <laughs> fracked it all up for me so I really don't know what to say so I mean I was going to say like a red but <laughs> is that you know red is so maybe blue so you know what what does red and blue make like brown I'm going to say yeah. brown <laughs> yeah well you know if your if your grade scale went beyond A and B we'd probably respect it more Aww. yeah I know 
Fracker. I guess yeah, I obviously have to give it. A, I obviously have to give it. I have to give it an incomplete. Generally, if I go in with the idea that I'm not going to like it, I'll give it a better grade. Because you set your standards so low. My stand, that, yeah, when so my bar stand, is so low, you set your bar at F, then you you brought that. Like, and I know it's going to be less because be. I probably didn't like some of the others worse than why I didn't like them because they were coming off some very good episodes. It's like they were up here, then they fell off a cliff. So now that I'm pretty much convinced they're down here for a while, <laughs> this episode will probably be better than I expect. Okay, um, I'm gonna give it a C. I know I'm gonna get flack for that one. A gentleman's C. Yeah, well, I like the storyline. I'm not necessarily happy. I like the storyline with Tyrrell. I'm not happy with the way that they implemented some things. I absolutely hate Rosalind. I think she sucks. Adama's turned into a real whatever. I don't even want to say that word in the air, but... Fracker. Yeah, and... I like Fractard. I'm really angry towards this episode. I just didn't like it. I liked his whole storyline. I thought it was good. Everything else sucked. I'm a little tired of them introducing all the religious mysticism stuff and then just forgetting it yeah. forever. Like Rosalind started off all into it and now she hardly ever mentions it. And Tyrrell went all through it and now he hardly ever... It's like, no wonder your religion sucks because you all use it as a religion of convenience. Yeah. Stick with it through good or bad. Stop just letting it go there when like, you've got to either explain something or maybe cover up for something you can't quite explain. Little so human of them. It is. I just need a better episode. I'm sorry. I just can't do it. I cannot do it anymore. And I, I said I this probably would have had gave it a D, if, but I, I think the last three just wore on me. And it made, like you, it made me angry that they had done some of these character choices. Yeah. And it's a bad episode when Nikki gets more screen time than Hera, period. I said, I used this line a couple podcasts ago. I said something about, you know, I'm getting a little worried that Battlestar Galactic is getting lost. Yeah. But I really am seeing the parallels. Loved it the first season. Just a great, great show. The second season started out pretty good, kept my interest, but it's like they're starting to kind of grind to a halt. I don't want to introduce another show, but Last Monday's Heroes is the type of show that rocks. Yes. yes. It was spot on, and it was similar to a soap opera. It had three or four storylines going all at once, but it was just action-packed. It propelled the story just Huge. I mean, it just shot it forward. There was just so much accomplished and so many, you know, just in short amount of time, so much character came out. And yeah, if, I, if anybody's anybody's listening to us, watch that show. Let it, let it, us know what you thought. But again, it's the first season, so first seasons are good. It's what mm-hmm. they do from here on out. I admit, BSG is dragging. It is. It's really dry. I think they're like they're putting all these like filler episodes in because they're they want to do the last trial and everything. They want to do them for the last couple episodes. So you know the final, you're like, oh, what's gonna happen? You know that's what they're saving everything for, and they really shouldn't do that because now we're kind of like, and eh, now I don't even want to see the trial because now I think it's just gonna suck. <laughs> right. I have a quick thought just popped into my head. Speaking of this past Brown episode. If Adama was willing, I, I really think he was bluffing just to, you know, make Chief, you know, change his mind. But let's say he wasn't and he was going to shoot Callie for being a traitor and causing a mutiny, then really Baltar shouldn't have a trial. A guard should just walk in with a cup of soup and shoot him in the face. Well, you because know, that, that guy has played treason left and right. Also, you only get to pull that card once. Which card? The whole, I'm going to shoot someone if you don't No, do I know, this. but I'm just saying, if, if we're talking about consistency and this show was inconsistent 
Adama was inconsistent in this show with other shows. His his character was was a little off. Screw that. Baltar's cell is way too big for a guy who's on trial for treason. Well, the this fr- cell is bigger than my house. Yeah, but <laughs> but a former ruler. I mean, even if it's a ruler you don't like, you tend to treat the rulers a little different. Well, if you even treat them differently, then he should have more than just a ripped up mattress on the floor. He should have maybe a table yeah. where he can write his manifesto. Yeah, but uh, maybe this is Adama. I mean, he threatened to nuke the planet. We knew he wouldn't do that. Now he's threatened to shoot Cal. He didn't do that either. Maybe that is the way he operates. Maybe he threatens a lot and then doesn't have the stone. Maybe the shock will be when he actually follows through on one of these things. Hmm. The only one who had the stones to follow through so far is Ty. He faced a situation that was horrible, and he did it. And probably one of the best scenes in the entire right. show ever. I don't know. Rosalind's thrown a couple people well, okay. there a lot. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. you're and right. I was totally expecting her to do that. <laughs> like, oh, when Adama said, you know, well, yeah, you but know throw- what we do to people who commit treason and do mutiny or whatever. I was waiting for him to say, oh, yeah, we throw them out the airlock. <laughs> well, throwing a, well, throwing a Cylon out the airlock is not that big a deal. We found that out. Yeah. Because they come back. Well, yeah. Throwing, like and that's the only one Rosalind thrown out the airlock was the Cylon. Is there anyone else she's thrown out of the airlock? No. So no big deal. She's threatened to several times. Yeah, yeah. again. Okay. That's, that seems to be the main trait of the people in charge of this thing. They threaten. Threats are cheap. At some point, someone's going to challenge them on this. And I hate make- Rosalind. <laughs> I really hate her. Boy, the discussion here. Just We've, just, we've got to stop talking about the episodes. <laughs> I just hate her. I love the show. I love the show. But man. Damn, do I hate her. I think I think really president. you guys are both lying. What you should be saying is I loved the show. Recently, you haven't been loving the show. That's no, great. no. I, I reached the, the point. The in show t- in general. I <laughs> love the show. I reached the point in the TV season where I take whatever I'm watching and I cull it down to like the three or four I still want to watch. And BSG made the cut. But man, <laughs> it's like if you follow English soccer, it's like right there at the relegation line. It could be cut down, and some other show could be brought up. <laughs> Actually got my wife to watch the miniseries after we had our little live event and she was there but a silent participant it must have been enough to convince her that she'll give it a shot and she's not a geek so it doesn't sci-fi just is not in her realm so we watched it and the miniseries was awesome yeah i watched it again last night and i was like wow i haven't seen it probably in a year and i was like this was really really good maybe that was part of why an hour later when i watched this episode i was like Oh, man. <laughs> well, that's like what I said when I went back and watched, you know, the miniseries season one and season two. Good thing I did go back and watch season two because it brought me back down to this level. <laughs> oh, it's like when I got home Thursday from the show and was checking the TiVo and the TiVo just happened to record a couple Buffy episodes. And I got to watch once more with feeling. And I'm like, oh, man, for a gimmicky episode, it was a killer episode, and it certainly seemed like filler, but it ended up advancing the plot line so much, like getting some stuff out there. Yeah, this didn't advance the plot line at all. That we know of. I will say that we know of. Something may thing. happen down a couple of episodes. We're going to go, oh, yeah, we saw something along those lines. Every episode that's like this, that the 90% of it, or the one-offs, there's always... You gotta they watch. can throw it out, but there's like a 10% of it that somehow does advance the plot. It's something, it's the manifesto is going to be something. Was Gata in the episode at all? No. So apparently his contract's in trouble too. Because Gata boy, wasn't. Has he Apollo been thrown under the bus? Has he been thrown under the bus Kilo lately? wasn't. Kilo wasn't. For all the stuff that Gata did leading up to the past couple episodes, I just find it hard to believe that he's still not heavily involved. 
Okay, previously, in what we filmed but didn't show you, Lee Adama spent the whole episode interviewing Gaeta for the trial. I don't know, but I find it hard to believe that as much as he was involved from the planet on, that he just disappeared for like two episodes. The basic outline here is that the format needs to change a little bit. Just we need one, one storyline for one hour in a series that has so many different facets and different stories happening at one time is unrealistic. So they really should break it down to three. And like Jason just said, I mean, they could have spent two minutes of airtime showing Apollo in his office with all the books open and maybe Hilo's there helping him out and Gata comes in. He's like, you know, I'm here for the question. For the deposition or whatever. Boom, boom. You know, just that would have been nice because in that way, that's two minutes, doesn't take much time and that propels the story forward. Hera, they show her, I don't know. Just everything, everything the can miracle, take. miracle, maybe. You know, yeah, is one, she alive? Minute, one minute here, one minute there. Shave off a couple of redundant things at the uh, refinery ship. All right, let's wrap this up. Our website is galacticacorum.com. Our email address is gquorum at gmail.com. Our voicemail is 206-2020-BSG. Send us feedback. Send us questions. Visit us on our message board. Sign up for our Frapper map. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. So say we all. I'm getting overheated. Oh my. <laughs> I'm getting hot. Did you oh, now that's the way to start a podcast. Did you hear the zipper? <laughs> yeah. Or you should have recorded that. Uh, let me get out my camera. Hot we flashes. can make a video podcast. Stripping. We ought to do a video podcast one day. We should. Just tape us doing it. Are you stripping? It. No, just tape us. Jason, <laughs> Brian, and I will talk about <laughs> the show. That's right. And then the we'll camera be the will booth. be on we'll you be the booth. in the corner, and you'll just strip it's slowly like the, through the entire 30 it's minutes. It's like the naked news. Yes, yeah, like <laughs> right. naked news.